Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight is study number 35 of Revelation chapter 3. And we're going to be reading verses 17 and 18. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increase with goods and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. And anoint thine eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see. And uh, here, once again, the Lord is speaking to the Laodiceans, and what he's saying to them has application to the church throughout the entire church age. And he has been discussing those that are lukewarm, uh, that profess to be rich and to believe they have need of nothing. And yet God corrects them and says, you, you're you not aware, you're ignorant of this, you do not know that you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Spiritually, this is true of every unsaved, professed Christian. People who say with their mouth that they believe in God, they trust in Jesus, Jesus is their Savior, and yet their heart is far from God because God has never acted upon them. God has never created a new heart within them, and therefore their profession means nothing. And and so the Lord is counseling individuals. This is, again, during the church age. It, it was during a time when God was still saving he was counseling them to buy of him gold tried in the fire. And, you know, men are constantly seeking and taking the counsel of one another. We we read in the New Testament, in John chapter 11, it says in verse 53, Then from that day forth they took counsel together for to put him to death. And Psalm 31 speaks of those that took counsel and devised to take away the Messiah's life. Men are, are constantly taking counsel. They're, they're comparing notes. Um, people in the churches do this all the time. They take counsel with their denominational stance. They take counsel with the elders and and other pastors. They take counsel with commentaries and things that have been written by reformers. They they take all these things into consideration before teaching a doctrine, before declaring something to be a part of the word of God. And yet what also is very true, sadly true, is that men who profess to be Christian, but again, they are not. They are not truly born again. They, without fail, it seems, fail to take counsel of God. And and God uh, addresses this in Proverbs chapter 1. In Proverbs 1, verses 24 and 25, it says, Because I have called... 
and ye refused? I have stretched out my hand, and no man regarded, but ye have set it not all my counsel, and would none of my reproof. And also a little further down in verse 29 of Proverbs 1, For that they hated knowledge, and did not choose the fear of Jehovah, they would none of my counsel. They despised all my reproof. And this is a common fault, a common mistake that men make. They think that if they listen to um, a theology book, that they're taking counsel of God. They think if they make sure to check whatever is being taught against their church's confession and creed, they're taking counsel with God, but they're not. They're, they're just taking counsel amongst themselves. And in order to take counsel of God, you have to turn to the Bible and you have to take a, a doctrine, a teaching, and compare it against all that the Bible has to say in regards to it. And listen carefully, following God's methodology for coming to truth, of comparing Scripture with Scripture, and making sure that your doctrinal conclusion harmonizes and agrees with, like a piece to a puzzle, all the other verses in the Bible. And and this is why God says, they would none of my counsel. Men do not follow uh, this methodology. They don't uh, they don't attempt to come to truth the way God has established and and set forth that they must. They they want to develop other methods, man-made methods to develop doctrine and to come to truth. And and notice that in both cases in Proverbs one, where the Lord says they would none of my counsel, they despised all my reproof. Now, that's a very significant statement because 2 Timothy 3 and verse 16 tells us all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for reproof. And here God is saying, look, my counsel is the Bible. It's all scripture and it will give reproof. It will make correction. It will guide you in the way that you must go. But they would none of God's counsel. They despised his reproof and in the Bible, the word despise is sometimes used as reject. When men reject the truth of the word of God, it is despising the counsel or the word of God. All scripture, all the Bible presents God's counsel to us. And that's why we read, for instance, in Proverbs chapter 24, this verse in verse 6, For by wise counsel thou shalt make thy war, and in multitude of counselors there is safety. It, you see, uh, by wise counsel uh, go to spiritual battle, 
And in a multitude of counselors, you'll find safety. Um, you'll hear some people incorrectly, erroneously quote this verse as they're asking their friends for advice. They, they don't know what to do. And, and so they send out a message to, to all their friends and they, they might quote this verse. You see, I'm trying to find wisdom, trying to discover what to do. And the Bible says in multitude of counselors, there's safety. Well, there's no safety in that. There, there's no, um, wisdom in asking a hundred people, what should I do? That even if they're a hundred of the most faithful people you can find, you're going to get differing ideas, differing opinions, differing viewpoints. And, and sometimes you're going to end up more confused than you were before. You, you won't know, well, who is giving the best advice? Who is giving the best counsel here? You know, I've heard, um, some pastors in the past preach this way. They go to a verse and then they quote, uh, renowned and, uh, famous theologians. Uh, this famous theologian had this idea about this verse. And then they contrast that with another famous theologian who had another uh, apparently contradictory idea about that same verse. And then they might even go to a third theologian who presents a third way of looking at it. And then the pastor would say, now this is my opinion. And he would present his idea about the verse. And at the end of the sermon, we're, we're no better. We've not been spiritually fed or nourished. We uh, have listened to various ideas. Uh, we uh, might be more confused about that verse than we were previously. We, we just lack um, anyone speaking with authority. And what God would have us to do when he says that in multitude of counselors there is safety is go to the council of Jeremiah and then go compare the council of Isaiah and go compare the council of Ezekiel and Daniel and go compare the council of First Timothy and First Thessalonians and Second John and Revelation and Matthew and Mark and Luke and so on. Go to all of my counselors. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for reproof. That is the counsel of God. And it's a multitude of counselors because it's a very big book. And God moved many men of old. Uh, he inspired them to record these things. And yet they speak with one mind and one voice. They speak according to the mouth of God. It is the word of God. And there, as we check scripture with scripture, here a little, there a little, as we take our time to make sure that we've thoroughly and diligently searched out a word and and looked at all the places it's used in the Bible, then we've taken counsel from many counselors and there is safety in that. But that verse has nothing to do with asking um, so many people what they think. That's 
uh, a recipe for confusion. And, and keep in mind, there were 400 prophets of Baal who who would have given you their counsel, and only one prophet, true prophet of the Lord, Elijah, that would have given the correct counsel. And and so if you're someone who listens to all counsel, now you're listening to 401 counselors. And is there safety in the multitude of counselors? There's great danger in the multitude of counselors. Just look at our situation today. The vast overwhelming majority of professed Christians are uh, are in falsehood. How can they give any kind of good counsel? Now, there's no good counsel outside of the Bible. If we understand I have to turn to the Bible and keep my focus on the scriptures and what it says, then uh, then we can receive wisdom and wise counsel. And God here in our verse in Revelation 3 is saying, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich. Now, uh, the Bible has a lot to say about gold, and we know that the Bible refers to true believers spiritually as being as gold. For instance, um, we read in Zechariah, in Zechariah chapter 13, it says in verse 8, And it shall come to pass that in all the land Saith Jehovah, two parts therein shall be cut off and die, but the third shall be left therein. And I will bring the third part through the fire and will refine them as silver is refined and will try them as gold is tried. They shall call my name and I will hear them. I will say, it is my people. And they shall say, Jehovah is my God. Here God clearly links uh, his people to gold and silver that come through the fire. And and that means when God is saying, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich. He is speaking of not being a professed believer, but being a true believer, being someone uh, who has their sins laid upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And someone who has had Christ go through the wrath of God, who has therefore had their sins purged, washed away by that fiery wrath of God uh, in a baptism that washes away sin that took place from the foundation of the world. And then you may be like gold, gold, that uh, it becomes gold uh, as a result of what Christ has done on your behalf, and gold that today, in the day of judgment, will be made manifest to be gold. That is, judgment day for God's people, the elect that are still living and alive upon the earth during these days, is a time in which God has set a fire to all and the fire will ultimately finally burn up all of the wicked as chaff as wood hay stubble they will be destroyed and annihilated at the end of judgment day and the period 
of time leading up to that point will reveal that they are not gold, silver, or precious stones. They did not endure the test of God's word, but God's people will endure to the end, and that endurance of the testing of the scripture, of God's word, trying them, will reveal that they have been gold all along, made gold from the foundation of the world as a result of what the Lord Jesus Christ did on their behalf for their sake and paying the penalty for them. And and so God is referring to that here. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire. And And by the way, the word tried here is not the typical word for tried. It's a word that's translated as burned in Revelation 1. Verse 15, um, where it says, And his feet like unto fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. And this is describing the Lord Jesus. And we know that um, his feet, which are like fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace, is uh, being described that way because Christ has gone through the fire of God's wrath for his people. And, and, and so the Lord is using that word here. I counsel thee to buy of me gold burned in the fire. Again, to point to true salvation that comes, um, not through profession with one's mouth, but that comes as a result of the work of Christ, the faith of Christ for a sinner's sake, and and this is what makes rich, that thou mayest be rich, spiritually rich, not just because you you say you're rich, not that kind of rich, not because you think or believe that you have eternal life, but this is genuine, this is faithful and true, this is the actual case with you. You have the down payment of the Holy Spirit, the earnest of the Spirit dwelling within you, and and that is a guarantee by God that he will complete his salvation plan and save your body on the last day, and you will possess the incredibly um, tremendous spiritual riches of the salvation of God and all that the Bible has to say about it. And then it it goes on to say, and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed. And again, remember in verse 17, God uh, was pointing out the actual spiritual condition of professors. And he said, look, you don't know that your actual condition is you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. And and so God's counsel is to go to him to buy, as God uses that kind of language, uh, he uses the language of a marketplace, buying and selling, but he also reveals in Isaiah 55 that uh, you may buy without money uh, because he freely gives Salvation is a free gift. 
and and so that you may buy these things, but really it it's just language um, indicating that you may obtain these things through the mercy and grace of God, if he so has been kind to you, if it's his good pleasure to have bestowed these things upon you. And if so, then you could have white raiment that you mayest be clothed, that is, the purity, the holiness, the lack of sin, that uh, the salvation of God uh, equips a sinner with because your sin has been washed away and now you are clean in the sight of God. You are wearing the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. This becomes your spiritual garment. This prepares you for the wedding feast. You you may enter in, you may remain there. No one will cast you out because you're wearing some other kind of garment. And this covers your nakedness. It covers your sin. And and that's the point the Lord is making, that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear because you do have white uh, raiment, the fine linen, which is the righteousness of the saints, clean and white. It is the righteousness that the obedience of one, the Lord Jesus Christ, has made for you. And it is a garment that covers the shame of thy nakedness. No one will ever see your spiritual nakedness. Again, your sins will never be exposed to the eyes of him with whom you you have to do they are covered and uh, you know this word shame is found in hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2 looking unto jesus the author and finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of god Say here, Jesus endured the cross despising its shame because it was a shameful thing for him to be hung on a tree, to be nailed to the cross. He was made a curse for us, and that was a shameful thing. He hung there naked without clothing in order uh, to demonstrate that he was being shamed before God for these despicable, ugly, awful sins that he was bearing, that that he was taking responsibility for in the sight of God. He was dying for the, the most uh, shameful things imaginable, transgressions against the law of God, uh, such dark and filthy things that they cannot be uttered. And he was bearing them and being made a shame in our stead, in our place. If we're one of these um, elect individuals and, and Christ became a shame and he became exposed to the wrath of God uh, as he bore our sins in our place. And and then, again, 
our shame, of our nakedness, or the sins that we have committed does not appear. We're, we're free. We escape that awful judgment of God. And then finally it says in verse 18, And anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. And here uh, God is, is just using a picture and uh, it, it would be wonderful if there were some sort of ointment, eye salve, that um, you could apply and rub into the eyes of a physically blind man and then he would see, oh, what a uh, a wonderful and beautiful thing that would be. But there isn't anything like that. There, there might be some help that blind individuals can receive, but there is no miraculous eye solve that, that can make a man see. Well, of course, uh, except for, apart from the miracles that the Lord Jesus Christ performed. And why don't we turn to one of those in Mark chapter 8. We read in, uh, beginning in verse 22 where it says, And he cometh to Bethsaida, and they bring a blind man unto him, and besought him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand, and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes, and put his hands upon him, he asked him if he saw aught. And he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. After that he put his hands again upon his eyes, and made him look up. And he was restored, and saw every man clearly. And he sent him away to his house, saying, Neither go into the town, nor tell it to any in the town. Now here Christ, his own spittle, is applied to a blind man's eyes and and becomes the eye salve that causes this man to see. And there there is no um, medicine like this. You, you cannot bottle it. You cannot uh, apply it to anyone, as we were saying. God did this, the Lord Jesus Christ performed this miracle to teach us of what his word does. As the spittle came from the mouth of Christ and Jesus is the word made flesh, it is pointing to the eye solve that comes directly from the page of the Bible, the scriptures themselves as God applies them according uh, to his will, and whom he chooses to make see, just as Christ chose this blind man of all the blind men to uh, give him sight. So God chooses certain ones to give spiritual sight, and he does so through his word, the Bible. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We could also say faith comes by Seeing and seeing by the word of God. It, that would be a, a synonymous statement. It's the same idea. It, the seeing of spiritual things, uh, which must be seen with the eyes of faith, uh, that takes place by the miraculous work of God as he applies the holy word of the Bible to sinners' hearts and and then he gives life, then he gives sight, then he gives ears to hear and to understand his word. Uh, th- this is what God is telling us in Revelation chapter 3, that 
this is his counsel to buy of him I solve and anoint thine eyes that thou mayest see that you be no longer blind but that you have spiritual sight. 